eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Helium Boys Podcast, a serious, non-serious USC football podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with my lovely co-host, Chris Trevino. Chris, how are we do tonight? Have you recovered from another long weekend of football action? I'm good. I'm just very happy that you called me a lovely host. I don't think I've ever been called a lovely anything, so shout out to Shotgun. <laughs> and it was nice seeing you, Shotgun. You came down for the Utah game in the Coliseum. Obviously not the best result for USC fans, but it was still great to see my fellow Helium boy in person. Yeah, it was great to be back out there. Obviously a ton of fans uh, coming up. We love this fan support. We had so many people uh, from stopping the tailgates and different things. Again, I just want to thank you guys so much for shouting us out uh, when we're out and about walking around the stadiums or, you know, when we're on the sidelines, we really appreciate it. And it it means so much to us that you guys are listening and everything. We love taking pictures with everyone, all that type stuff and chatting for as much time as we have before the games and have to go to work. Um, Wanted to throw that in there. Also want to say, you know, this is a part of the Peristyle Podcast family. There's tons of other shows. You got the Cilantro Boys with Chris and Gerard for all your recruiting needs. You got the Peristyle Podcast with Ryan and Connor, Ryan and Harvey. We got the Tunnel Vision shows. There's so much different types of content. We have exclusive interviews with players. When the coaching staff doesn't let players talk to the media, we still get some guys, uh, you know, the next day. So that type of stuff you got to be subscribed for. Make sure that you are subscribed to uscfootball.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. At least be getting that in your feed, even if you're not subscribed to the site. But like, subscribe, leave us a review, all those type of things. I think we got a couple of reviews recently. We'll have to check on those, Chris. I didn't didn't pull I them up. I got them right here. No, Can Chris I, I has them. Right here. All right. I'm let's, ready. Start, let's start with that before we jump into to our full segments. Let's start with reviews. we got to get those those in there. We got a five-star review from Slim Trojan, Helium Boys, Dropping Knowledge, and a Little Fun. Very short and simple. Thank you, Slim Trojan, for the five-star. And then we got one from Skiba24, another five-star review. The best USC podcast. Long live the Helium Boys. Chris and Shotgun are extremely knowledgeable and entertaining. Listening to their podcast is the highlight of my work week. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Skiba24. That is a very great review and one us helium boys uh really really appreciate it. yeah we try to be either entertaining or knowledgeable we don't usually succeed at both but if you guys think that then we we applaud you for for being uh misbelieving in us enough uh but chris let's jump into it 
two minute drill. You got two minutes. Tell me what you thought of USC's 34 to 32 loss to Utah, falling to six and two on the season. College football playoff. Is that dashed? All those type things. You got two minutes. What do you want to talk about? Go. Yes, let's start with the thing. It is dashed to college football playoff. The hopes and dreams of the USC fan base and Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, all of those super high expectations. There is no, I there is a possibility, but I don't see any feasible way that this Trojan team, as it is currently playing, is going to make the college football playoff. So we can just say that with certainty that that is out of the picture. Pactor championship still technically alive for them, but we'll talk about that later in the show. But shotgun, when Zachariah Branch took that punt 61 yards, pretty much a carbon copy of the punt he had against Notre Dame. I was sure USC was going to walk out of that Coliseum with a win, even though they had played so poorly that allowed Utah to make so many plays against them, which has just been the story of this defense and this team. You still thought they were going to find a way to bring it out, get that win. And then Lincoln Riley was going to remain undefeated in the Coliseum, but Utah, it went their way once again, four straight wins over the Trojans. I just feel feel for USC fans. This was a very emotional game. Another tough one to take after that heart attack of a game against Arizona several weeks ago where USC was able to pull it out. They did not have the magic here. And the only thing I'm really thinking about right here, right now, is that, you know, they have not lived up to these expectations. But I just want to go back to the point or the point, make the point that USC and Lincoln Riley, they have to do something about the defense. They have to make a change at the end of the season. I, you know, we've talked about how we've given them more time to see more data points. You know, you got those new players in, you got some bigger bodies, better defensive players, and it's still not working clearly. The defense was what lost them the game in the end with that final drive. Lincoln Riley has to make a change at the end of the season. Will that happen? That I cannot answer. Shotgun cannot answer it. The fans cannot answer for it. They cannot make the change. It's only one man who can make the change. Lincoln Riley, he is very sick right now. So we'll see what's going to happen. But that is my big takeaway. Two minutes on the dot. Good job, Chris. Let's go. Look at you stepping your game up. You know, after a couple of weeks of being, you know, a second over, pushing the limit. By Uh, the time you turn it around, it's already a second off. Lies and slander. Look at you just trying to to add your extra seconds in because you haven't accomplished the feat. All right, Shotgun, let's see what you can do in these two minutes. Shotgun, I just got a few words for you. Make it sizzle. (laughs) All right, you got me wasting five of my seconds uh, laughing there to start with. But no, I I completely agree with you. The defense is the, the big issue, but it's not just the defense. The offense is very inconsistent. The one word. So uh, Lincoln Riley did not speak on Trojans live tonight. Instead, it was Dennis Simmons and Sean Nua. And it's a continuation. Same thing we hear from Alex Grinch every week. Same thing we've been hearing from Lincoln Riley. Consistency. Consistency. Same thing they've been saying since before the season when we had media day. And it's not getting fixed. And that's the big issue. They're having problems of not having all 11 guys do their job on every play. They're having issues of, you know, Ups and downs, ups and downs, penalties, bringing things back, you know, going forward, coming back. You know, they have a touchdown to Kyron Ware Hudson, and instead there's a call to push off. So then they have to settle for a a field goal. You know, two-point conversion attempts, ugly, both of them. There's a lot of things. They're just like you can can pull so many one plays out of this game and say, if you just change one this one play or maybe this one play or maybe this one play or this tackle or this miss – 
and it, the outcome is different. That's what happens in these close games. And the same thing you could have said in the Arizona game. But when you don't play to your potential, you get into those games over and over. And that's what USC is right now. They're not, they have more talent than these teams that they played super close, but they haven't played to their potential. And when you don't play to your potential, you get into a dogfight and then dogfights become coin flips. It becomes a, you know, reliant on one call here from a referee or one play call from a, a head coach or an offense coordinator, defense coordinator. And that's why USC is in all these battles. It's been unfortunate for USC fans because for them to be heartbroken by Utah again um, and have to go through all the memes and everything else. But give credit to Utah. They find a way to win, even with all the injuries and everything they have. USC's not finding ways to win. Boom. Boom, right right there. I did hinder you a little bit by making you burn in three seconds on that. But you're okay. You're good. You know, I was like Utah stalling on the on that substitution it's all right i burned a couple <laughs> seconds off the clock for you but you got through it shotgun you got through it yeah i'm gonna snap it right at one second uh even though you've wasted 20 uh jogging 300 pound men back and forth uh but whatever chris let's jump into stock up stock down i've got a good amount you want to go kind of the rapid fire way we went last I, week I didn't, i'm not saying i'm not saying it's a pure rapid fire i'm just saying why don't i just regurgitate all of them out and then I can like talk about it. You can pick mine apart and then do your right. thing where you do. And then you throw all yours out. I know you have a ton of them, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like we're just presenting our, our group project to the other. We don't have to go piece by piece. We can just all right, put go it for all it. out there. Go for it. Look, you start us with, a, with stock up. It. Start us with stock up. And then you'll probably, you know, you'll probably knock off some of mine. So I, I can already go ahead and eliminate right, sure. some before I even start and get to it. Yeah, I'm just going to roll down these real quick and then I'll touch on the ones I want to touch on. You can pick apart what you want. I got to go, you know, straight up stock up on. I know this is obviously a non-serious USC podcast, but I just got to give stock up to Sione Vaki. He played incredible and just showed that, you know, Travis Hunter wishes he was Vaki. That, that's basically the, the message. <laughs> he just went off on uh, USC's defense. Not that that's hard to do but it was just an impressive uh, performance by him. I have stock up on this new look offensive line. They had their best rushing output since the ASU game, only gave up three sacks, four tackles for a loss. That's a big improvement from getting manhandled against Notre Dame. Now it was at home, so you have to take that into account. But I thought the new look offensive line, at least early, looked like they were up to the task. I have stock up on emotions and Bear Alexander. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. I have stock up on Lincoln Riley having his worst season at, as a uh, as a head coach in college football. You know, he's never had more than four losses in a team. This is trending towards being, you know, one of those seasons, a, the, a career worst for him in terms of, you know, losses in a year. We don't know that that's going to be the case, but I'm just saying it's stock up on that because they have some very tough games along the lines or down the road for the back half of the season and then stock up on just straight abandoning the run game. The run game was super <laughs> effective for USC, but yet only 12 carries. They did have that big fumble, and it seemed like that just terrified Lincoln Riley and his play calling of ever calling a run ever again. So I have stock up on abandoning, abandoning the run game. I did want to go back to the emotions of Bear Alexander. You saw that clip of him on social media after the targeting call on the final drive of the game. And look, I'm not here to rip on bear i thought it was it was endearing to see bear alexander bearing his emotions no pun intended on the sideline showing you know that he actually gives a shit 
that someone gives a shit on the defense. You know, he was out there bawling his eyes out because he felt like he put the defense in a bad position, which he did. But again, I'm not knocking him for that play. That wasn't like a dirty targeting call. It was just a heat of the moment play. You're going after the quarterback. It's the most adrenaline you had all game. This is the, 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 the drive to stop them. And you, you know, you were just rushing the quarterback and your, your helmet's hit, you know, it's football. So I'm not knocking Bear Alexander for that play whatsoever. And I saw a lot of USC fans defending him as well saying, you know what? You're not the problem bear. We're going to ride with you. We like that you were showing your emotions. We like that you were giving a shit on the sidelines. And, you know, you were so emotional in, you know, the most emotional part of the game. So I just wanted to say I thought that was a good thing to see on the sideline. Yeah, I saw a lot of emotion after the game. Uh, you, you know, like I, I saw Taj Washington. You know, he was quick to get off the field. A lot of players were. That one hurt a lot for them. Um, you know, they were really they really wanted that revenge factor. But it was interesting that Barry Alexander, a guy who wasn't on the team last year, how much emotion and and maybe that shows how invested he is into this team and his teammates and understands, you know, what they went through last year and, you know, that he wanted to make plays for them. And hey, it, it probably, you could not call it a, a targeting penalty. It definitely was a rough in the passer anytime you hit the passer up, up, up top. But because it was face mask to face mask, you know, the, the broadcast official was saying, yeah, I probably don't think this is a targeting, which is going to be interesting since he's going to be out the first half um uh, next week or this week against Cal similar to Utah having Cole Bishop out in the first half and I don't think USC took advantage of that enough and they got a couple uh, of nice deep passes they got one of Taj Washington that set up a touchdown uh, but I, I felt like they could attack the safeties a little bit more or try to attack them maybe they were trying to and you know it's hard to tell when you're shooting photos of the game and then also not being able to get the all 22 film or anything. But um, I thought maybe USC could try to take advantage of it. So it will be interesting to see how Cal tries to do that. I also had revamped offensive line on there. I thought it it showed well, and it's it's still a small sample size. So let's see how they continue to grow with that group. But I thought, Hey, it wasn't working at Notre Dame. You got to do something, right? And I thought, you know, to make that switch and that's kind of an interesting switch and, you know, I know Gerard has talked about he likes Mason Murphy more inside, and we've seen Jarrett Kingston has played left tackle and left guard at at uh, Washington State to now put him at right guard to start the season, and then right tackle now. Just is, again, uh, interesting the the positions they put these guys in as far as moving everyone around a bunch. Um, but I thought the offensive line was much better than it was against Notre Dame against a physical front from Utah, but they played much better. Um, and I had some individual players. I had Romello Height. He was a monster in this game. I mean, he had the one nice spin move and got a hit on the quarterback and a sack and another TFL. He was kind of all over the place. I would not be surprised if he is in the starting lineup moving forward. Jamil Muhammad has actually – I've got him on my stock down. He's kind of backslid a little bit, has not made much of an impact the last couple of weeks. Zion Branch coming in, he was flying downhill to make hits. Um, I, I thought he was really good in that, and I didn't notice – you know, watch it. And again, I wish I had the all 22, uh, but I didn't notice him being lost out there, which was the case in that Stanford game when he got some extended run. So that's a big step forward because now maybe he's a guy that gets at least rotation snaps, if not pushes himself in the starting lineup, the way he was playing, especially in that second half and the way he was making tackles coming downhill and not taking bad angles. Uh, you want to say something, Chris? I do. And he was, was he not on the field for that final, that big Bryson Barnes run? Because you said he was, he was on the bench or on the training table. Yeah. He was getting checked out potential. I, I'm assuming head and neck injury, you know, concussion type of thing. I've been told that he's fine, that there was no, that, you know, that 
he was cleared and everything. He just kind of got his bell rung. Um, but I could see him getting checked out for that on at a Bryce, I believe it was Bryson Barnes run a couple plays earlier in the drive. So it, I think it was like a 13 yard run on first and 15, you know, big collision takes him on delivers a hit, but, but took, uh, took the, the shot for it. And you wonder if same situation, you know, if they get 13 yards on Bryson Barnes run instead of 26, how could it be different? You know, all these one plays throughout this game, you could go back to. But yeah, Zion Branch played really well. Rajon Davis, when he came in, I thought was really good too. I still do not understand their linebacker rotation at all, at all they anymore. Do. I don't think I don't think they do. At well. one point, I I, figured, I felt like it was like, all right, we're gonna play Mason Cobb and Tacky Curtis. And then now it's like, we're just going to throw this guy in. Shane Lee's in for 10 plays in this game. Eric Gentry's sometimes in. Eric Gentry's playing a third linebacker position. Is he subbing in for Braylon Shelby? Is this a separate package? I can't really tell. So, yeah, I'm not real sure what their linebackers are doing. But Rajon, when he came in, played really well. He's flying around, got downhill, got in the backfield, made some plays. Now for stock up on some you know more wider things, accountability. I, I think that one, anytime that – your head coach only talks after the game. None of the players talk. Uh, if you're not going to have any players talk, then, you know, where's some of the other adults, bring them in to talk, you know, bring in Alex Grinch, bring in Dennis Simmons, Josh Henson, whoever. Um, and then the fact that there's not been real answers given recently, it's we're just this far away. Or, you know, if we just change it, like it, no one is saying we are not playing well enough. And there's no one slamming the table, whether it's a player or a coach coming in and saying, this shit has to stop. They need someone to do that. So I got accountability um, you know, needed, accountability needed, not accountability being stock up, but accountability needed was on my stock up. And then dumb penalties. You know, the the big one on Bear Alexander on the second and goal, just tossing the guy when completely unnecessary. Um, and then the one, uh, probably not, I wouldn't call it a dumb penalty, the, the rough and the passer, but you know, you, you know you're in danger when you leave your feet. And I know it's heat of the moment, all that stuff, but as a as a 300 pound guy, like how often are you leaving your feet as you're running towards a quarterback and actually something good's gonna come from it? So usually it's like you put your head, you know, you put your eyes down and try to, you know, put your face mask in the chest of the quarterback. Maybe you put your hands up, but you don't leap itself. So that one hurt them. There was other ones along the way. And also stock up on the Coliseum crowd. I thought, you know, they were invested. They were booing at opportune times, I thought. You know, and sometimes you don't want to necessarily see the home team get booed, but I thought there were times when they needed to be booed. They were booing the Pac-12 refs at the right times, booing Utah's, you know, uh, delay tactics, tactics at the right time. Yeah. And then they were loud at the end of the game enough to create multiple false starts on Utah. So give the Coliseum crowd some, uh, some credit too. So those are my stock ups. And I, I did want to mention your Sione Vaki. He was, he was fantastic in that game. Um, and, you know, he's a kid I saw at the Polynesian bowl. I was like, this guy's got some athleticism. I didn't know exactly where he would fit, what position does not huge to be a safety. Um, you know, he's not your prototypical size guy, but he played 89 snaps in that game and obviously made a huge impact on the offensive side. Not bad for a guy that just threw over there, two weeks ago because of all the, the bodies that they have uh, mangled this season. I just want to say when it comes to bear and that targeting, but roughing the passer call, I just feel like me and him had the same youth coach in pop Warner, because as a pass rusher myself, 
one time I did have a free shot of the quarterback and I let up just at the time because I didn't want the roughing the passer call. And then my coach got me on the sideline and said, Trevino, you ever have a free shot on the quarterback like that? You lay that mother effer out. So <laughs> I think we just have the same. I just think we had the same coach. So I, I just I so no, no, no fault to bear for, for me, from my perspective, shotgun. Being your sack, getting in the backfield, but Bear Bear had a very roller coaster game, right? I mean, it was it, there was some big highs. He was getting in the backfield, creating pressure. The drive before that, he creates the punt because he hits Barnes and he hits him with his chest. Bar and Barnes tries to sell it too. He goes flying, um, but the throws wide because Bear is there. They didn't block him actually. It was a, a miscommunication up front or something, but. They did not block him. That's not the guy you want to not block on USC's defense. But I, I thought he played, you know, had big flashes in this game, but also the, the penalties really hurt. And then, like I said, Romello Height and Solomon Bird had a big game too. Uh, you know, we got a chance to talk to him on Sunday, but he was fantastic, you know, rewatching the game, just some of the stuff that he was doing, collecting the edge, the things that some other guys need to be doing better. He he's just been Mr. Consistency for them. The stats aren't always there, but he's the guy that's consistently doing what he's supposed to be doing. Did want to say one more thing, one more stock up. I just thought of now. Uh, stock up on all American plays, and that's basically a shout out to Kalen Bullock coming up with that mm. that pick six just to give some sort of life to this team that was desperate for some sort of life. And you know, comes up. You think about oh, like you know, you watch those games as fans. Like, oh, what if what we just need like one home run to get it in the game? We just need a pick six here to get going. And obviously, Kalen Bullock, the all American of that defense, comes up big with a pick six and gets this Coliseum rocking. You know, I have the, go watch the, uh, the field highlights. The place is going berserk on the field and he's going berserk at everyone. And at that moment, they actually believed that they were going to win. Obviously I said, I knew, I felt like when Zachariah branch returned that punt, they were going to win, but just to give some sort of heartbeat to this team. So stock up on all American, making an all American play. Chris, I wonder if for Zachariah branches uh, returns, if I have to go to the goal line, because he has been tackled almost right in front of me, both of those long returns from Notre Dame and uh, and Utah. I got a nice photo of him leaping over the defender because uh, that was right in front of me. Um, I thought on that he return. was in. I, I, I just, it just seemed like he kind of went out of bounds there. I just thought he would have a little more tiptoeiness. Yeah, I, I thought that he got really wide quick on that. Um, and maybe that's something he can learn from that, hey, you know, this level, you're not going to be able to run away from everyone like you would in high school necessarily. So you don't immediately get wide. You leave yourself some space. So that if you need to leap over something or try to, you know, uh, uh, dodge the diving attempt or something like that, or you get shoved and you still got a little bit of space, but he kind of, as he started the return, he just kind of widened it out to the sideline really quick. I thought, and then, you know, that was enabled them once he did jump over someone, you know, his momentum was, I guess, kind of carried him over. I mean, it seemed like he could try to tiptoe a little bit more, but then you're putting yourself in, danger of taking a big shot if you're you're tiptoeing like that but a fantastic return once again he, he's been and special I, I was just gonna say i feel like that can be included in all american plays as well true you know, he's trending towards being all american and to come up with a clutch play like that for the second week in a row literally a 60 yard punt second week in a row to give them some life obviously that should have been what set them up for the win but and and, and notre dame obviously set them up to come back a little bit but obviously we know how that turned out but just another all-american play stock up 
Definitely going to be a freshman All-American. We'll see, you know, if he gets potential as an All-American, as a returner. I mean, that, that could definitely be a possibility. Chris, what about stock down? What do you got on stock down? You know, when you lose 34-32 and you've lost two games in a row, there's going to be some stock downs for sure. Obviously, you know, I'm not a huge big stock down guy. You know, I kind of keep it minimum. I know you probably have two pages of scrolling to go through for <laughs> your stock downs. But my, I'm just going to get out of the way quickly. Uh, stock down on the Pac-12 refs. I thought the game was called really inconsistently across the board. Just a lot of no calls and calls that, you know, were, were kind of a controversial, questionable. So I have stocked down on the Pac-12 reps. As always, I have stocked down on killing clock. You know, you, you're in that situation where you're up, you're, you're going for the score. They have three timeouts. You feel like you would at least try to, to run a play. Maybe they let you score at there at the end, but you can at least get them to burn a timeout to just kill a little bit of clock. Uh, I do have stock down on Braylon Shelby's future at cornerback. I know that is a little <laughs> bit of a joke one, and I'm sure Shotgun will have a breakdown of what the heck was going on with those coverage plays. But yeah, I know Braylon Shelby is a f- tremendous freak athlete. He's going to make Bruce Feldman's freak list multiple times in his career in college. He's going to be a combine warrior but he is not a defensive back so stock down on his future as a cornerback and then i just have stock down on my overall theme season pressure there was so much pressure on caleb williams on lincoln riley on this team for this cultural playoff run this national championship run this repeat as a heisman run there was so much pressure so much outside noise we see it every time you know usc has a good season and they come back the next that hype machine builds and builds and builds and it was out of control think back to 2016 2017 with sam darnold all that immense pressure that was going into that year making that run you you, the pressures pop shotgun you don't really have that much pressure now you can go out and kind of maybe play a little bit more free play a little bit more relaxed obviously you're still a team that has a bunch of issues on both sides of the ball that you need to address and fix and get better at but for the most part, you don't have that pressure of having to win every game. No one is really expecting USC to go and win out and get to the Pac-12 championship, especially going to Oregon, getting top five Washington at home. No one's really expecting them to run the table. So you have you're, you kind of play with house money at the end here because you're six and two. You're not going to the college football playoff, but I don't think you're everyone is expecting them. Everyone's expecting them to go like one and three down the stretch. So they can they can uh, kind of sneak up on some people. You don't have that pressure hanging over your head now. You're obviously disappointed, but maybe you play a little bit more relaxed is what I'm saying. Yeah, and and this is the this is why it's so rare for teams to burst on the scene like USC did last year and then just continue through it. This is a common thing with college programs where you flash, then you hit a dip, and then you start to rise back up. And that's building a program because it's so difficult to deal with pressure because no one is used to this type of pressure. Hey, you played in a high school championship game. You played at modern day. You played Bosco. Ooh. Does that prepare you for every the vitriol you're going to get from the Notre Dame stadium crowd? No, it doesn't. In that atmosphere, the pressure that comes with that national audience, it you're not used to it. And so it's something, and some players, individual players, it doesn't matter. Those are the dudes. But in general, that's not the case. 
you have to be in those situations. And that's why coaches always say, hey, we're trying to put them in these pressure situations at practice and do this and do that so that they're ready. You know, that was that was the theme pretty much this uh, fall and spring was we did a ton of situational ball, Lincoln rather would say. We know last year we were, you know, going through the basics kind of. So this year we were working on situations. To be able to, when you go, okay, you got a two-point conversion. You're down what you're down five with two point conversion, get us within a field goal type of thing. Can you get it done? And no, USC couldn't run the, the offensive line on there correctly. Mason Murphy didn't go on for the first, first two point conversion. Now the, the, I didn't see this in, in real time and I didn't, um, you can't really see on the broadcast exactly what's going on, but uh, Ryan, someone on the board, I believe it was said that, Mason Murphy, I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or whatever, but he tried to run on late and Josh Henson just said no and stopped him. So Michael Tarquin's in there at right tackle. Kingston bumps back in to right guard. You get pressure immediately on that side. And it blows up the play. So there's pressure there. There's also pressure straight at the middle Landon Barton on taking on Austin Jones. But because there's multiple guys, Caleb Williams can't get out of the way. You know, he just throws it high, tries to get to Deuce Robinson, and it doesn't work. You haven't been in those pressure situations, then you're not quick change. Okay, I got to be out there. Like those type things, when you've done it over and over and over, you know, that's the flat line, you know, cold-blooded, ice in the veins, all whatever things you want to say. You go to the free throw line and a championship is on the line. A game is on the line. If it's a YMCA game, the first time you do it, you're still that heart's beating. But if you've done it 25 times, it's no big deal. You've been in the situation. All right, let me think back to what happened last time. Take my deep breath. You you mentally go through. You haven't been in this situation. That's I think what USC is going through. I think so. That pressure has really gotten to them, and that's why I think you see so much of just one guy not doing his job. Or just this little bit off, or that little bit off. I think it's all stemming from the pressure of the season and the expectations. I think it all comes down to that. And I thought Dennis Simmons, you know, he he talked about tonight on, on Trojans Live. He said part of the problem is a lot of times there's more thinking there needs to be done. Now this was a question just about the wide receivers, but he said players are where they're supposed to be and they know their assignments, but they're trying to be perfect as they deal with the pressure. And I think that can be extrapolated to the entire team. Guys are trying to be perfect. I just got to do this perfectly. If I do it, we're going to get in. We're going to, it's going to be a great play and just do your job. And that's what kind of the message he's trying to give to his guys is like, stop worrying so much. Just go out and do your job. You know how to do it. Relax, relax. And that's what they're trying to get. And, you know, when you lose a couple games in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers can go R-E-L-A-X. Relax, guys. It's not a big deal. We got this. Can it, you you know is, is Bryce Young being able to do that? Is Justin Fields is a first or second year quarterback able to do? No, Aaron Rodgers could say that because it was his what twelfth year or whatever in the league, and that's what these guys don't have that experience. So I, I mean, I think these are growing pains for the potential of where this program can go, and it's going to be unfortunate that Caleb Williams is not going to be there because he's such a generational talent, but. I think that's what this all stems back to. So that's a very long rant to not even get into my stock down, Chris. And I apologize because I know you're looking at me going, come on, shotgun, let's go. But I I think that's where it all stems from. I just want to add quickly, remember that I don't think you mentioned this, but they're kids. 
They're kids. Yeah. They're 18 to 22 year olds. They're kids. Imagine unless they're, just unless they're Tyrone Tillini is 27. Unless unless they're Tyrone Tillini or Ben Griffiths and they're 40 years old. They're kids. <laughs> and this brings up a point that Gerard mentions a lot on the composite two star recruits with the Pete Carroll days. That's why Pete Carroll never believed in getting up for a big game. He wanted everything all the time to be dialed at 11. So they're always tuned in. They never have to get up for anything. They're always feeling that pressure, whether it's practice, meeting rooms, uh, watching film, all, always wanted to dial it up to 11. So that's why his teams were so good, kind of, you know, in those big games and handling, you know, pressure. Obviously, it didn't always work out, but more often than not, you know, they were ready to play and came ready to play in big games. So that that's the Picaro philosophy. And it's something I know USC fans wish they could see again. Yeah, and that's the whole thing with, uh, you know, so many people at practice and everything. You you talk to former players and they say, I knew if I got beat that day, I'm hearing it from, like, people are kind of, like, heckling you. You know, you got not necessarily boobers, but you got, oh, or whatever going on on the sideline. And, like, you don't want to get beat at practice, so you step your game up that much. And, again, it's just the competition, that whole thing. And I think that's another reason why I think it's it's not great for the players to be shielded from the media after a game. I mean, we're the big bad media, and I know some people are going to say, what does it matter? You're just upset. Um, yeah, I'm upset. I flew across the country. I want to talk to some players, too. That's me personally. But I think it's also important that to grow – you need to experience that. You need to go through those things. I think that helps you. It helps you deal with your emotions after a game. It helps you, you know, decipher what exactly went down when you have to tell someone what it, it did. I think all those things are positive. And also, I, I said a bunch of this on Tunnel Vision, if you want to go watch that. Uh, but, you know, I kind of went on a rant. But I think, are you building football players? Is that your job? Or are you supposed to be building men? Because a lot of coaches will tell you, I, you know, I want them to be a good husband. I want them to be a good father. I want them to be a good member of the community, all that type of stuff. Some coaches won't say any of that shit. So, you know, some of them really believe it. Some of them, they don't care. They're just there to win games. But I think your your job is to build men. And part of that is go, when something doesn't go your way, you get the factory closes. Are you just going to, as the example I use, are you just going to not tell your wife? He's going to go home and be like, oh, it's fine, honey, no big deal. I'm just going off to work. Uh, and then you're going to go bag on the corner as a homeless guy. I mean, I've seen, you've seen the stories of that. Maybe that's your, your MO, but you usually have to face the music. Um, and, and we're not the New York media covering the Jets and the Giants and the Mets and the Yankees here, I don't think. I wouldn't consider us that way. I don't think we're giving the same type of questions those guys are giving. So I think they can handle it. But anyway. All that to get back to my stock down now, Chris. Uh, I, I think that you know, I think that is a huge thing, though. I think the pressure is really what has impacted them this year, um, and I think I took that for granted, honestly, coming into the season. I think it's had a huge impact on them, and maybe now that the you know that the expectations are gone for college football playoff. Maybe that does lighten things. They can have some fun and go from there. So we'll see. We'll see how they react this week. It'll be be really interesting. If you see them come out and dominate against Cal, you'd be like, maybe the burden was lifted. Uh, but, you know, let's go with stock down. Let's start with just college football playoff. That's not happening. Never happened in the college football playoff four-team era. of uh, There being a two-loss team to make it. So just assume that's not going to happen. And their Pac-12 championship hopes are, if you went out, maybe. Um, you have good tiebreakers over Washington and Oregon. But then, you know, if somebody else beating Utah, you know, the, the whole thing playing in there, we'll see if that 
would would happen. I think, but I think I think Utah loses again, just on the record. But again, we're not really talking about the, oh, they're gonna make a run. We're I'm just saying Utah will probably take another loss somewhere. Yeah. But I mean, there's Oregon State. There's there's plenty of teams along the way that have shots right now, uh, and USC mm-hmm. could be one of those. But they got to play much better. So we're not even going to get into that conversation. But those are all stock downs. Um, and now some specific stuff, or a couple players first. Uh, Brendan Rice, I got on stock down. Marshawn Lloyd, I got on stock down. And Jamil Muhammad, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I'll get to a couple of these guys in a minute. Run game trust is definitely on stock down, and. In tandem with that, offensive efficiency has not been great when they haven't trusted the run game. And then a couple more things, both on the offensive side. I mean, we just put defense because I thought they played a little bit better against Notre Dame. That back down, uh, though they made some plays, but they just you're not getting that consistent plays from the defense. So a couple more things on the offensive side: cut blocking. So the offensive line doesn't do this very often, but when they've done it the last couple of weeks, it has not been pretty. The second two-point conversion attempt, they try to cut block. Jonah Ellis goes right by it. Kayla Williams has to throw off his back foot on a you know on a two-man route. You got seven guys blocking, uh, maybe even eight with a running back. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so seven or eight, maybe even nine guys blocking, he still got pressure right in his face. And then they also the if you remember the play where Brendan Rice got blown up. That USC attempted cut blocks on that, and you know they were not able to get the lineman down so that it was an easy throw and catch. So you, wide receivers get blown up. So their cut blocking has not been very good. And just the two point conversion plays, I didn't like the play calls in either one of them, to be honest. So you know those are all my stock down. To go back to a couple of Marshawn Lloyd, uh, you know the the fumble seemed like I don't know if he got banged up on the fumble. You know I, I was asking a couple people. I don't think he came back in the game. Maybe he came back in for one play, but it was either zero or one plays. I haven't finished, you know, fully charting everything, but whether he got in the doghouse or he got banged up, not good either way, because he's such an explosive weapon for them. And Austin Jones did a great job running the ball when they gave him an opportunity. So the run game trust, like, I don't know if you have to tell Kayla Williams, like, cut the RPO reads, we're just handing the ball off or what it needs to happen, but you need to give the running backs the ball more when they're cooking like they were. I mean, they had 85 yards on six touches in the first quarter, and then they got six touches or six carries the rest of the game, the two running backs. So you got to give them the ball because that opens up the play action. Caleb Williams was so good on play action last year. Watch the, the Taj Washington deep throw for 51 yards. Where are the linebackers at? Watch the Taj Washington, the 40 yard one. Where are the linebackers at? They're not dropping into a deeper coverage to make that a different, more difficult throw. Caleb Williams could just air it out. And then the second one, he could throw it on the line because he knows Taj Washington's going to beat the safety. But if you're, if they don't trust the, that you're going to run the ball ever, the linebacker is going to drop. So, you know, the play action is something that we haven't seen USC use very well this season. And that's again, contributing to the offensive efficiency. And then Brendan Rice is one that may, may not stand out, but you know, he was so good throughout the first, what five games of the season. I mean, he had seven touchdowns. He's only got one touchdown the last three games. So I think that's kind of interesting. Only had, he had five catches, but only 34 yards. Um, last week, only two catches for 18 yards, though he did have a touchdown. So I think he's he needs to be the number one right now. Not that the other guys aren't capable, but I think it's I think the offense works best with him as the number one right now because mm-hmm. he's got the big body and everything. Throw him up that deep ball, you know, he can shrug a guy off a little bit better. 
you know, the one to Taj Washington at the end of the first half where there should have been a defensive pass interference call. There wasn't. Yes. yes. But Brendan Rice probably can go through that a little bit, or he can go through that contact better than Taj Washington just because of his size and strength. So I think they need him to be the number one um, and need to get him a little bit more involved. I think the offense runs better when he is, he's, you know, one of their main targets. I wish you, you would say the podcast will run better through me because I'm a big body. Because <laughs> one time I, I like to hear you say that, that, that confidence in me. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that, Chris. You're not a big body. You're not a big body, Chris. I'm a stocky body. Uh, I think the, those the are ham hocks, all, though, baby. The ham hocks, honing them down low. Uh, <laughs> shotgun, very good stocks, as always. Uh, I, I like that you're bringing it. And yes, absolutely should have been a PI call for USC at the end of that half. And then I don't, I had this on the, obviously with my refs stocked down, but I didn't agree with that call on the pass interference on Kyron Hudson uh, in the, in the end zone. Uh, it was a pass interference. However, you could also at the same time could have called holding. So, you know, are you going to call the hand fighting or not? Because the defender uh, and Miles Battle, the DB, is a six foot four cornerback. You don't see a ton of those, but he has Kyron Hudson's wrist with his left hand, um, is holding Kyron Hudson's right wrist. So Hudson pushes off with his left hand to create that, hey, you're grabbing my arm. I can't go up. And maybe it's better that. Kyron just takes the penalty, but because of the positioning of the defender versus or Kyron Hudson versus the referee, they couldn't necessarily see that. So, and it doesn't take much when you push at the ankle he did, like getting up underneath the shoulder of a six foot four cornerback again, that he's going to go off balance. So, yeah, I can understand the call. You could have easily called nothing because there was a lot of fight, hand fighting going on. And, you know, like I said, b- battle did grab, had a hold of Hudson's wrist, which is why uh wrist, which is why he made that attempt to push him away. Uh So, but yeah, I, the same thing. Uh, I want to, I do want to throw on stock down as well. The, the delay of game tactic that defenses do, and this is not directed at Utah and I have hundreds of Utah faithful supporters coming into my mentions because I said that the NCAA needs to change something about the, you know, the defensive substitution taking 20 seconds. I thought it was impressive. I thought it was tremendous tactic by Utah, the way they did it of slow playing the hell out of it. And you saw how angry it made Lincoln Riley, which I'm sure Kyle Whittingham uh, just tickled him even more, but like that, I want to watch college football. I'm a college football fan. I'm not there to root for one team or the other. I just want to see football. And if it's Utah and USC, I definitely want to see more plays because you never know what crazy shit's going to happen in a Utah-USC game as we've seen the last couple of years uh, or not even just the last couple of years. For the the whole decade or so of, of them playing, uh, it's always an epic game back and forth and comes down to the very end. So why would I not want to see 300-pound guy, guys trotting for 10 extra seconds than needs to be 10 times. Like give me an extra hundred seconds of game action with Bryson Barnes trying to run over somebody or Sione Vaki, USC trying to defend him. Give me all that. Don't give me $300, 300 pound guys waddling to the sideline or waddling into tap someone on the shoulder. And then the other guy waddle back. 
Like literally it was taking 20 seconds like that. And I thought there was a good, um, you know, a good solution presented somewhere along the way. in my mentions that, you know, the referee standing over the ball, Chris, what do you think about this? The referee standing over the ball, just have them do a, you know, backcourt violation, you know, count it out from their hip. Like you would, you know, in basketball when it's a, you know, an eight count or a 10 count uh, offense subs, Defense recognizes they're subbing, and then the you know the guy that's holding it over, he just counts from his hip, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and you give them eight to ten seconds, and then that guy just moves out of the way. And if the defense is still subbing, that's on them. And so be it. And so yeah. be it. Yeah, I, I like the rule. Like ten seconds like the seems about- like plenty of time for you know guys to come in and out and not have it like. But also, I, I did mention that I think on Tunnel Vision is like how much. It was so much fun watching the big guy sprint to the sideline to not be the 12 guy on the field. Like, you need to bring that back a little bit, too. Combine that energy. You need more of that hustle to get on the field. So, yeah, I think I think it works. I also like the one about the injury flopping. They can't come back in for the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah, and, and injury flopping is – I don't want to wade too much into that one and make it like that the referees are trying to decipher whether or not someone's hurt or cramping or anything – but I think it really curtails it if you say, all right, you're not allowed to come back in for a series. Like I think that's a great number of plays where you should miss to be checked out by doctors or whatever. So uh, I'm all for both of those to speed up the gameplay and whatnot and you know have more plays, especially with the clock stoppage rules taken away. So but Chris, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. I, I'm holding us up. I'm sorry. I do uh, it all the like time. Me. You sound like me. You sound like me. I'm holding us up, but let's move on. USC did lose 34-32. It was heartbreaking. The players are upset. The coaches are upset. They didn't want the players to have to deal with the media. Let's move forward, though. This week, they're going to take on Cal. Cal is coming off a bye week. Cal is not been good. Cal also is not been good against USC. Jack Smith told me he's upset because uh, of the, the 20... 21 game, 2020, 2021 game, the game at the end of the season. Whereas like 2021, yeah, Dante Williams. The first time that Cal beat USC uh, and it felt like forever. It was the first, he said it was the first win in his lifetime for Cal. So being a NorCal kid, he's had to hear it from his Cal friends, you know, and before he could be like, you guys have never even beat us while I've been alive, but now they have a couple of times. So California is according to, the stats I have here compiled by Chris Reno is two and 14 against USC in the last 16 matchups, but playing at home, they always have the sweet uniforms when they're playing at home against USC. I'm blanking on the quarterback's name that, that passed away uh, that they always wear the throwback uniforms for. And, and you know, it's going to be sweet matchup color wise. And you always got a chance at home. What do you think about Cal coming off a bye? What stands out to you? about this Cal team playing USC. I wrote the, uh, the quick look about Cal uh, for every week I do it. So I I've just been looking at it. So I fresh in my mind, you know, I, I wrote down Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Cause both of these guys are struggling. Cal's lost three of the last four. Obviously USC is on a two game losing streak. A Cal's a weird team. You know, obviously defense has been kind of their calling card on Justin Wilcox. But the defense has actually gotten a little bit worse from last season, and they're really struggling to get to the quarterback. They have seven sacks this season, which is bottom 
bottom four in the country, which also I learned that Washington has the same amount of sacks as them. They both have seven sacks. So that's just a weird stat to me. They have improved their offense pretty much across the board, not passing. They're not a good passing team, but they were last in rushing attack last season. Now they're number three rushing rushing team uh, this season over with over 200 yards. They were the only team last season to average less than hundred yards on the ground. So they've done major strides into improving that run game behind Jaden Ott, you know, one of the best running backs in the country as a sophomore in the Pac-12 as well. The, the Cal quarterback situation, pick a, pick pick one of the QBs out of a hat. You, you have no idea who's going to start. You know, Sam Jackson, uh, I believe the other one's Blake Finley, and then Fernando, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name right now. I think he's a helium boy, or sorry, a cilantro boy. There's so many boys in my life. Uh, <laughs> they just have, they've had three different starters this year. Uh, the redshirt sophomore or freshman, uh, Hernan, uh, Fernando, I, there's so many names, it, it started the last two games and he actually has been the best, most consistent out of the two. So I'm expecting for him uh, to play. I think it's Fernando Mendoza. Fernando so Mendoza, him, redshirt freshman. So I expect him to be the starter, but you could see any number of QB combinations in this one. And this is also just a game, you know, USC needs to cleanse their losing streak they need to win big they can't go in there and pull out a 10-point victory or seven-point victory they need to go in there and beat some wholesale ass and win by three touchdowns i don't know what the spread is on this game i'm assuming it's gonna be multiple touchdowns for usc and they need to cover that spread and feel good about coming back home and hosting you know a top five washington team a a washington team that almost got a scare that got a scare themselves uh against arizona state and barely survived uh and barely survived their first loss so uh yeah this is a game usc needs to win big in big fashion up in berkeley yeah sam jackson transferred from tcu ben finley transfer from nc state and played a good bit at nc state too so surprising that cal has just not had success with the transfer quarterbacks um recently now back it up a few years davis webb had really good success there and whatnot but you know ethan garbers or excuse me chase garbers has been really the only quarterback that's had much success in, in recent memory, in my opinion, for them. Um, I looking up the odds right now, but the I wanted to go back. Joe Roth was the quarterback who passed away. Um, he died of cancer, I think it was shortly after his playing time at, at, at Cal ended. So they actually uh, designate the either the USC or UCLA, whichever one's a home game. They, as the Joe Roth Memorial game each year, and that's why they throw, wear the throwback uniforms. I want to throw out there, especially because this might be the last one. I don't know if Cal will change it up and you know pick a different opponent or something going forward. Uh, but you know uh, the uniform combinations, especially during a day game, are always some of the sweetest photos with you know Cal USC's whites and Cal's blue and yellows, the white and red, blue and yellow. It's great. I love it. So. Um, yeah, USC needs to get right. This is the get right game. The pressure is gone. Uh, the odds, I think, are around 11, it looks like right now, which is a little bit surprising that that's not even more. But can you play to your potential? That's the big thing for USC. It, it, they, you know, they have not. Can they finally get right? And it's not like there's a wake-up call. The Utah game wasn't a wake-up call. The wake-up call is way back in Arizona State. You know, you could say like every week after that, you could be like, oh, that should be a wake up call for them. That should be a wake up call. Utah, that should be a wake up call. But I think you you hit it right on the the head and I keep going back to it. I think the pressure 
is relieved now. Can you go out and have fun? Like this team doesn't like this team plays like there's a disconnect in the locker room, but I don't think there is. Like from the mm. conversations we've had with players and stuff, like everyone, like everyone talks about, especially their position rooms, like, oh, I love this guy, and like the linebackers, like there should be guys in there that kind of hate each other with the way the, the snaps are thrown around. Like you would not be surprised by that, but like you talk to any of them and it's like, Oh yeah, this guy's helping me out here and this. And like, so it, it, but it feels like that the way they play, because I think the pressure has been on them. Can they go out and have some fun now? Like go out with your guys, you know, F it. Let's go ball boys. Let's go ball. We get another Saturday together. Just just go make it happen. Let's put some highlights up. Let's see what Z Branch can do with the ball in his hands. Hell, let's let's bring Relique Brown off the bench, and you know he's still got a couple games where he's not gonna retro. Let's see what he can do. Let's just do it. Go have fun. Like what is like? There's nothing to lose now for USC. Their season is a quote unquote disaster because they're not living up to the expectation of national championship. So if I could just go have fun, Caleb, go do some superhero shit. Like, like that's what I want to see from this team. That's the the thing that's been missing. They've been under the thumb of the media, of the pressure, the national attention, of all this. You're on Pac-12 Network, baby. You want to make you want anyone to see this highlight? It's got to be something special. So go out there and ball and have fun. Like, let's see if they can do that. So we'll we'll see. Uh, I think that's going to be the big key for USC, and could be the key to them turning around the season and having something to play for. As the you know, as each week progresses, if they can realize we only get so many of these together, let's go have fun, play for the guy beside you, and you know, and and go ball out. And you know, I'm with my brother, I'm with my bro- other brothers, uh, us against the world type of mentality. It doesn't seem like that's been the case so far this season, but can it start on Saturday? We'll see, we'll see, Shaka. Well, Chris, that's going to take us to our break. Let's get into the break, get back. We'll answer some questions. We'll do some take it or leave it, and then we'll get out of here because I don't want to keep Chris for too long. He's been, you know, he's working so hard. He's he's a hard worker. He's got to go up to Cal. I don't have to. I'm going to be in Virginia, actually, this weekend. So uh, just continue with my streak of different weekend, different state. So, Chris, take us to break. Well, Shotgun, uh, stay out of Virginia because as American, your alien boys, we're from Maryland. We don't like Virginia, so don't stay there too long. But we'll come back and maybe we'll talk about we'll address the Virginia problem uh, after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC football podcast. I'm Shotgun Sproutling here with Chris Trevino. Again, if you guys haven't, make sure you're subscribing, liking, sharing, doing all those things. Chris, are we ready for some questions? Or do you want to jump into that Virginia problem? I don't, I don't have a problem with Virginia. I don't no, know about I, I, I Virginia's fine, historical, <laughs> key to the uh, – the the revolution you know one of the founding colonies it's all good but just don't maryland virginia on the football field you know just just know i'm coming sideways that virginia fan just just know that just know that i'll keep an eye over my shoulder all right uh chris we're gonna jump into some questions we got some emails thank you guys so much again uh you can we always send out a tweet the day of the podcast when we're recording usually on mondays but you can either reply to us there you can dm us you can also email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. Just remember to put the Helium Boys or Chris, Chrissy T and Shadi in the in the header, you know, whatever it takes to make sure that it gets directed at us. So we got a couple um this week. We'll start with Rich and SD. He said, gents, I can't say I'm too upset. Defense is what it is. Utah threw a haymaker on the first drive and it landed. They make mediocre look exceptional. You know the stats. Simple question. Asked about the D. Convince me that the issue isn't the scheme, coaching, and DC. Chris, can you convince him? Take me to dinner first before you ask about the D. Rich, I I I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can do that. Can we do that? Is that that feels impossible, shotgun? Because for the most part, I feel like it is scheme. We came into this 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 season knowing, okay, it was it was it the players or was it the scheme? You didn't have certain players that you needed. You got certain players that you needed for this season. So now we're going to know if it's really all on coaching and if it is on the defensive scheme. I've heard the defensive scheme is at times too complex and it can confuse. So I, I don't know if I can if I can convince you of that, Rich. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that we can. And you know, it, it is scheme. I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, you can say coaching. The missed tackle issues, that's on coaching as well as the players. But you know, it feels like a lot of times USC's playing a little bit of whack-a-mole. You know, some, an issue pops up, and so to correct it with a scheme, you try something else. So what did Utah kill USC with last, last year, Chris? Tight end. Tight ends, exactly. So you go to that first big play, Sione Vaki's in the backfield. So instead of having Kalen Bullock playing center field over the top, they put Kalen Bullock on a tight end, on a big receiver. I don't know exactly who he's matched up with, but it's man coverage. So instead of having an over-the-top defender, we've seen this a good bit this year. Instead of having those the, the safeties be over the top deep, they've left the linebackers as the free defenders, you know, as your coverage, your zone coverage guys, just kind of underneath. Now, what that can be really good on third and short plays, third and medium plays, 
You saw it last week against Notre Dame, one of the first the first drive, I think it was, maybe second drive. Uh, the first drive that Bryson Shaw actually comes in, they try to throw it to the sticks, and he's there to pop the guy because he's playing a more shallow zone to over the instead of being way over the top over the you know the deepest defense I mean defense offensive player. So they've done that a lot. But then in that same Notre Dame game, you have guys that are on that mid level that are playing kind of, that have no man to man responsibilities. They're just kind of floating around looking you know for whoever's near them to be a robber, to be in that zone coverage. And then because of that, there's no one over top. So now Jalen Smith has a one-on-one and he has to guard 70 yards of field against a really fast Tyree, uh, Chris Tyree. And the quarterback, because there's no other defender back there, can throw the ball flat and Tyree can go get it. It's not like he just ran by Jalen Smith or anything. But that's something where last year, because they were getting beat on all the short throws over and over and over, it feels like they've made an overcorrection at times. And I'm sure they ran some of this last year. Uh, I know they ran some of this last year, but it, it feels like they're doing it a lot. And that was exactly what happened on the Sione Vaki uh, first drive touchdown is you got man-to-man coverage and, hey, maybe they're going to get a catch and similar to Vaki got a big catch later in the game, but a big catch for – 25 yards because you got to throw it earlier, 20 yards because you got to throw it earlier because there's a safety coming over the top versus a 53 yard touchdown is, is a huge difference, especially early in the game, you know, making an impact soon like that, giving Bryson Barnes confidence. And that's such an easy throw for him because there's so much space out there. He's just got to throw it and let Vaki go get it. Uh, it's not like it has to be a pinpoint pass or anything because Kalen Bullock and I think it was Bryson Shaw was in that game or Zion Branch, whatever the other safety was, were both in man coverage and the zone defenders on that play, the free defenders were Mason Cobb and I think Tackett Curtis. I think both of them were kind of in the middle of the field looking to see if anyone goes over the middle type of thing to try to break up things. And that's also because USC was trying to stop the run more. So you want to have those linebackers be free from responsibility of play action and then getting caught, you know, chasing after a tight end or something like that. So there's different reasons why you do it. But that's something that has been consistent that USC has been burned by, is not having the over-the-top cover one or playing actual zone, you know, cover two or playing a cover two man, different things like that that you could do. They haven't relied on those over-the-top defenders, and they've given up explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. And unfortunately, that's been the killer. They're 127th, I think, in the country, and uh, plays of 20 or more, past plays of 20 or more yards. That's unacceptable they're 118th i think it is on runs of 10 or more yards all this is in um rj abadia's you know deep dive on the defense this week you know definitely gotta check that out always so many good nuggets in those but that's the big thing the explosive plays have been killing usc throughout the season last year it sucks when you give up 16 catches to a tight end for whatever it was 200 yards or 18 whatever it was but it's much worse when you give up one for 53 because that tight end is not getting a bunch of 53 yards. There's one or two in the Pac-12 championship game when you don't tackle. But if you tackle, you're not giving up a 53-yard catch to a tight end. So uh, that's one of the things that's definitely stood out watching, you know, what rewatching some of these games. And then we have a question from Garrett from Boston for now, but previously Ann Arbor. Now I feel like this deals with <laughs> from Boston for now, previously Ann Arbor. I feel like this one kind of talks about what you were just talking about, Shaka. 
Oh, okay. So we'll touch on it again. But I, I got a question. Is Garrett, you know, is he currently in Boston because he's, uh, you know, buying some tickets to Boston College games to sit on each side of the stadium oh, I, to I see what you're, film I see some? What you're saying. He was previously in Ann Arbor. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying. I thought it was interesting. Real quick uh, tidbit. Um, Lincoln, right? You know, they hold up the, the big sheets when they're on the road for the offense line so that no one can look over their shoulders and see what Josh Simpson is drawing up on the boards. This is the first game they had someone standing in front or to you know to the side of Lincoln Riley to keep the other side from potentially stealing his signs as he motioned them in to Caleb Williams. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you noticed I think that, the fun- I, I did notice that. I think one of the funniest things about that is that guy probably holding up the screen probably has like a master's degree, and this is what he's doing now, <laughs> holding up a piece of cloth. Anyway, as he cosplays. Anyways, to Gary's question, this week it appeared. This is a pretty long email, so bear with me, guys. This week it appeared like every defense snap had a player visibly distressed at the snap. Frequently, Christian Roland Wallace or Eric Gentry or a player clearly seeking guidance from a teammate as the ball is being snapped. It's certainly not something new, but it felt more consistent on display this week. Is this the case? And if so, is it justified by the personnel changes? Or is it just that the scheme is too complicated? I've been reluctant to hop on the fire Grinch bandwagon, but this felt like the most obvious pre-snap confusion I've maybe ever seen watching football. How are they not keyed in and sure of their assignments after watching what Utah did to Cal last week? Allowed 34 points to convert his safety and a backup QB just doesn't feel real. Yet Lincoln and Grinch speak with confidence every week that it's going to be fine. I'm just at a loss for justification, I guess, at this point. Sorry for the question turning into a bit of a rant in this second paragraph. I won't even get into trying to comprehend Braylon Shelby playing cornerback all night because at least i think he was doing his assignment r.i.p feel free to only read out the first paragraphs this is too long no you got great stuff in there garrett so um i would say that if you see a lot of communication going on before the snap not always a bad thing and like jalen smith i I will assume that jalen smith knows exactly what he's doing on pretty much every play but he is constantly screaming out and motioning and you're like is is he does it is he saying something's wrong or is he just making sure he gets his point across to the other guys? And that's hard to read. And even when we're on the field, like it, you know, if they're they have to get close enough to the the sideline or they gotta get close enough to the end zone for us to really hear what they're yelling. And usually that's when the crowd's the loudest when they're in the red zone or, you know, so it's, it's hard to really decipher that. I want one of those big boom mics. Those guys have on the sideline. I hate those guys. They always get in my way. One of them went and tattled on me this week. Uh, didn't tell you about that, Chris, but yeah, that happened. Um, but I heard about it. I heard about it, but, uh, but I, I don't, I won't say that it's necessarily that people are confused. Now it could be that, but I, I think that's, That'd be too difficult for me to just read into their body language and and say that. Sorry, I I thought you were going to go on another five minute uh, talk there, so I leaned back in my chair. I apologize. <laughs> well, I just I, I, apologize. I don't know for sure, so I don't want to say that it is. Um, yeah, we we don't we we don't know for sure. That's true, but there there has been some times where you can see players like helping a player out to like where they need to go, like putting yeah. them in the spot. Like this is where you need to be this is where you need to be, which is kind of odd. You know, you you're this far into the season and you, you're still getting confused out there. Uh, I'm not going to name players or name names, but you have seen some of that. So I think a little bit of it is confusion as well. Every good shot that Chris has on his field level highlights, that's me actually moving him over. Like, no, 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 Chris move, move, move. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But no, it's it's true. It's true. 
it, it definitely is. We've heard a lot of uh, what was the what were we told, Chris? That it the defense is like calculus. I believe is how it was phrased to us um, from one person. So that, I was very bad at calculus in high school. So that's my worst nightmare. I mean, I dominated it, but um, so is that good? Is that bad? If if you guys are struggling with it, it's bad. If they got it all down, it's great because then it's complex for the offenses. But that's the you know the thin red line. You have to you know you have to tiptoe over if you're a coach. And unfortunately, it seems like USC too often struggles with it more than they should. All right, Chris, we got some questions on Twitter as well, some DMs, um, uh, maybe even an Instagram to, or two. We'll start with Zulu Trojan, a, a couple quick ones. He said, why don't we use four down linemen? USC does that occasionally. I was surprised the last two games we didn't see more of it, where you bring in, you know, even if you go on with what I call their base defense, which is three true down linemen, Braylon Shelby and a, a Russian on the other side. I'm surprised we didn't see four guys actually putting their hand on the ground. They often just do two, and you know the their most frequent is using three guys with their hand on the ground, and just Solomon Bird kind of has his preference. He can stand up or not, but yeah, you would like to see them against the heavy teams, especially if they're going you know wildcat. Like, why are you not get, having an extra guy with his hand down so you're getting leverage off? It's a little bit surprising. He also asked, why aren't Bear and Bars starting together? The simple answer is Keon Bars hasn't made enough plays, and really no one beside. Barry Alexander has made a ton of plays. I mean, Dejon Benton's probably made the most plays, but Dejon Benton's also 270 pounds. So when he gets double teamed, he goes back eight yards. And that's like the risk that you're taking. Like you're trying to find the right spots to put him in because he can be a playmaker, but you don't really have another trench tank in there for alongside Barry Alexander. That's the position that's uh, of most uh, wantonness for USC's defense going forward, I think. We have Sean, a question from. Oh, go ahead. I thought we were just. I thought we were just ping ponging. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, my bad. I have a question from Judy Madden. Why are we giving up on the run game when it's working? For the record, when we're winning with 146, we should be able to count on the defense to get a stop. Any hope that will change with our defense this year? I would venture to say no. But to be fair, in the defense's defense, Lincoln Riley did trust them to get the ball back after going for that field goal. Uh, right before they got the stop to force the punt and give them a chance to get that touchdown at the end. So they stepped up with about three minutes left. You know, they had those two timeouts. They burned them. They played it right. Zachariah Branch made the big play to put him in position. So, yeah, for the record, you are right, Judy. With 146, you should have felt a little bit of confidence that you that uh, that the defense could have held uh, Utah, which, you know, isn't a big passing team. So you didn't really have to worry about that. But obviously... When Bryson Barnes, the old pig farmer, rips off 26 yards untouched, you know, that's obviously a a uh, issue. Yeah, and the first, we'll start with our first question. Why are we giving up the run game when it's working? That's a big question. You know, they just we don't they know. Need, that's the million-dollar question. We don't know. They need to rely on it more. Um, and then the defense got them the big pick six. The defense got them the ball back, but it all comes down. People remember the last drive, right? And you also look at the point total. And those are the two things that, you know, did not go in USC's favor. So, yeah, it's – it's. I don't think you can trust them. And that comes to the question, and Jack and I had this debate both on Tunnel Vision and then in the car rides 
to him dropping me off in the airport about whether and Saturday after the game, we're still arguing about this, but whether or not USC should have tried to burn clock by going down at the one-yard line and trusting your offense more than trusting your defense. And in the end, I think it wouldn't have mattered if you stopped at the one. Like, are you going to take another knee? Are you going to take, like, how many plays until you feel that you can get in? If you stop at the one, you've got a first down, Utah's going to call a timeout. The only thing that's going to change is them being able to center the football at the very end if everything else plays out the same way, saying you score on first down. but And there's also the chance that you get a penalty or something and you don't actually score the touchdown. So, uh, But that's something that you have to think about because you don't have full confidence in the defense. Now, Chris, are we are we reading all these? Or the I don't know. You bolded some. I don't know if those are the good ones, the bad ones. Well, are you are you switching up your mo now? Are you not doing all of them? What what's going on here? Who are you? I told you to to pick someone that's the good ones. I, I'm gonna go down I here. I didn't I didn't know that I didn't know you were that man. You were going to like actually <laughs> do it. I thought you were just gonna read them. I read them all. I, I, I told you, you I didn't want to take you for two hours. So let's go down to Dela Cruz. Shavira Cruz has. Uh, why do so many pedestrian players have career highs against the, our defense? I think that's another sign. The the defense is the issue and that there has to be changes. Changes have to be made in some form or fashion that you, know, you can't just, if it was Bryson Barnes has the best game of his career, but no one else does shit. Quentin Jackson runs for 20 yards. Sione Vaki's not a thing. Bryson Barnes, whatever he does, doesn't matter. Then it's fine. And I think you look back to Notre Dame last year, Drew Pine threw for 300 yards. Yeah. But what does it matter? Because that was not an offense that could throw the ball consistently enough to move the ball. They needed to run the ball, and USC shut down the running attack. So if it's a random player going off, and it's an up-and-down, herky-jerky offensive attack, then it's fine. But when the offense is flowing and it's gotten, you know, Random guys, pick farmers are getting their career games. That's definitely an issue, and it's been a consistent one for USC. So, yeah, big issue. Something has to be changed there. Not ping-ponging again. What? I threw I threw everything off. I threw everything off. I threw everything off. Just kidding. I'm going back in. Shaw asks, thoughts on Lincoln's last 48 hours or so? Skipping the weekly show he normally does with school. Oh, with the school, along with not having players do post-game media, seemed like completely avoidable blunders. I kind of had doubts about his commitment to the program now. Well, I will say Lincoln Riley is sick, and Shotgun moved our Healing Boys podcast last week because he was sick. So are you having doubts about Shotgun's commitment <laughs> to this podcast because he moved it or didn't show up on Monday because he was sick? I don't think so. Yeah, and we heard that if you read the War Room, we mentioned that Lincoln Riley was a little bit under the weather last week. We, you could definitely see it on Thursday. Um, you know, just this is the time of year when the weather starts to change, and especially if you have young children at home, like Lincoln Riley does, then you know you are susceptible to catching something yourself. So he was not there on the Trojans Live thing. They said he was sick. Uh, Dennis Simmons filled in for him. And I thought it was interesting, Dennis Simmons, they asked him, hey, how's he doing? And he said, oh, I just talked to him. Like Dennis Simmons literally just came from practice. So you just talked to him means to me you're talking on the phone. Like I don't think Lincoln Riley was at practice on Monday. So that would be or at least that would be my guess from that uh, one specific statement. So he's sick. 
The do I have I have an issue with the post game media thing. I've already mentioned that. Um, doubts about his commitment to the program. I mean, he said everything. If you want to take him as word, you take him as word. If you want to be an Oklahoma fan, you say, I've seen this before. He told us this or this or whatever. But he said that they're here for the long haul. He's mentioned that multiple times in the last couple of weeks to, I think, try to, to squelch some of these, these NFL rumors and whatnot. And right now, like, he's not the premier candidate at the NFL with the way USC's playing the last few weeks. Like, if they get on a run, maybe, but they have not played well. So, uh, I would not have that. Truth, uh, also, Apple Day at Apple Apple Daisy too. Why was the team so much better last year with more of Helton's guys? Do you get the impressions they have physical practices? Why is the D so often in a position? What do you and Chris believe is the main reason for the aggression on O in coaching and defense? I thought it was going to be one question, Chris, but that's a lot of questions. Um, I think we I think we could boil it down to why is there so much regression that they see from this year to last year? And Gerard has hit on this very well in the composite two-star recruit. So if you haven't heard that, he says it all the time, but what, what is the main difference from this year to last year? Not taking out players. It's film. All these teams have film on Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and all these things. They have spent all off season scouting Caleb Williams, scouting Lincoln Riley's offense, within the scheme of, you know, having Caleb Williams as his quarterback and we use USC's personnel. They have all this time to pin down what those tendencies are, how to attack this offense. And I'm speaking talking about the offense, the defense, you know, we, we thought we saw the problems last year, the same problems this year. So we can't even talk about the regression because it seems like they're the same <laughs> at this point. We're just with different players, but when you talk about the offense, it goes back to like the Sam Darnold of 2016. They didn't have tape on this kid. He just came out of nowhere. Like, who is this this guy making all these plays? Boom, they go on the run, win the Rose Bowl. And then the next year, you know, has all these turnovers, not getting loose the same way, not making the same plays as last year. They had all this film on them. They did their homework. I think a lot of that is teams have a lot more homework. They've done their homework on Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. They see all these things that they didn't see last year, and they're able to capitalize that and slow them down. Yeah, definitely the cat and mouse there and, you know, in the NFL, you see it with draft picks. You know, when the Falcons had Michael Vick, suddenly the Carolina Panthers went out and got, um, you know, was it? Cam Newton? Uh, no, they got the a safety from Georgia. I'm blanking on his name right now. And oh. put him at linebacker. And he was, you know, an all-pro linebacker because they needed someone that could chase Michael Vick. So you've seen, watch, just watch the Notre Dame tapes from the last two years and watch the pass rush and how different it is. How they attacked his back shoulder. Uh, coming from the blind side because they know he likes to spin, do the reverse pivot spin towards his back shoulder, and they really were keyed on that. So in the, also the play calling with Lincoln Riley, those things too. And I think Lincoln Riley has the answers to those type things. But also when, when you start mentioning that again, Chris, it makes me go, why is USC's defense not keyed in on some of the things they've seen from other teams? Like that's a, that's another issue for them. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, another big one is the offensive line has not played as well uh, because of the two All-Americans not being there as they had last year. So that you know, if the offensive line continues to get better. And that's one of the things why I've been disappointed in the defense because I thought I thought even there would be some rough patches early, but I thought by this point in the season, as, as they got to the halfway point, they would start taking off like second year in the defense for a lot of guys. 
you know, second half of the season for the newcomers, more talent on the defense, and it's just not been the case. So uh, that's been very disappointing. Uh, and the last one I got here from Noe, Noah, Noe, Noe G or Noah G, N O E. And Chris and I went back and forth. And there's Noe Ramirez who pitched for the Cal State uh, Titans, Cal State Fullerton Titans, and in the majors. Um, but I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, but yeah, the healing boys question offense has ups and downs this year, but not having a true number one receiver. Has it hurt the team? Rice is good, but it's been inconsistent. doesn't feel like there's a Juju, a Woods or a London on this team. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, Rice has his moments, but you know, that consistency still hasn't been there. He's definitely took in his game to another level, but we're not seeing it every week. And obviously the, the offense has had, it struggles. We just talked about those and keying in and stuff. He has played much better. He's stepped up, but it's not the level of, you know, a Juju or a Woods or Drake London or Amara St. Brown or any of those guys. So I, I would agree with that assessment. All right, Chris, we got a couple on Instagram. So these are going to be straight rapid fire. Uh, Ruxian wants to know, why is this football team so soft? I... Uh... I don't have an answer for that. I don't, I can't watch practice. So I can't tell you if it's a practice thing. I can't tell you if it's a mentality thing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I can't watch practice. So I, that would be a big answer for me. If I, if I knew. I, I think the mentality too needs to come from the top. And, you know, when you coddle the players, don't have them talk afterwards and, you know, you, you don't run the ball consistently. You don't do that. It'd be run first when you have the opportunity those type of things slowly creep into the entire psyche of a team, I think. So, uh, and Coach Figs asks, why did they stop running the ball with Lloyd? Million dollar question. Uh, Tommy Morris wants to know, how often do they do tackling drills? As Chris said, unfortunately, we don't get to see that. You get to see a little bit of, you know, their scout team work. Previously, we'll see what happens this week. This last week, they cut it down to about three minutes of viewing for media. So, um, um, is that Tommy Machine Gun Morris? Yes, it is. We buried the lead there, Shotgun. <laughs> You're the editor of this 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 site, and you bury the lead. Come on, you gotta be calm down there. Uh, Gunner said he's still in pain from this week's deployment. Sorry for you, Gunners. Uh, Rechan want to know: Will we see Relief Brown suit up at all? He would definitely help the sputtering offense. I think that's a good point. I think he would. I think he'd give you a little more juice, but I don't know. He has some games left, so you might see him here down the stretch. He was on the sideline at the game, which I thought was really interesting because that's the first time he's been on the sideline since week one when he played. So mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Usually if you're redshirting, you're not allowed to be on the sideline. You're in the stands, but you're not at the game. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting development, and that's that, there's not a rule that says you have to be in the stands, but from past experiences as far as Gary Bryant and a couple other players, Xavier Alford, guys like that, uh, who, when they had announced to the coaching staff, yeah, I'm planning on leaving after the season and I'm going to redshirt and transfer, they didn't keep them around on the sideline. You know, that could be – the guy could be, you know, a bad seed or something or not even be intentionally being a bad seed but just be saying stuff on the sideline and, you know, be the distraction type of thing. So usually those aren't down there. But we have seen Corey Foreman down there with USC – and we did see really brown back. So I thought that was a very interesting observation from it. And the last one, Chris, can USC salvage the upcoming 2024 recruiting class, or is it on to building the 2025 class? Are you taking, are you saying salvage in terms of, you know, being a top five class? Yeah. I think that's kind of sale. So this, this, the, what am I saying? 
sale has set. I don't, I don't, I'm, you, I don't know what I'm trying the to say. Ship you know what I'm to, the ship has sailed. The ship has sailed. Thank you. Thank you, Shotgun. This is why Shotgun can't let me go long. My brain gets holes in it and I can't, I can't think straight. So in terms of being like a top five, top three class, like USC was maybe banking on if they made that college football playoff run. Yeah. I think that that ship has sailed, but you can still have a, a nice little top 25 class. You're going to have to grind a little bit at the end there, play for some flips. You're going to have to, you know, maybe beat a beat a Washington, beat Oregon on the road, do some good things at the end there to kind of build off that. You know, you're not going to have Caleb next season. So, yeah, ob- obviously, Lincoln Riley is a good recruiter. He's proven to be a good recruiter. NIL, lack of NIL for high school is probably going to hurt. But you can still salvage and get a nice little top 20 class, maybe top 15 if you get a big win down down the stretch. But in terms of being a top five class, yeah, that that that's probably not going to happen unless you you run the table. All right, Chris, take it or leave it. Time for you to take over the show. We don't have a ton of take it or leave it. I have a lot in the overtime, which I'm excited about, but let's go take it or leave it. I just got three right now. Uh, Take it or leave it. Zachariah Branch will be a first-team All-American as a returner, not freshman, big boy All-American. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I haven't looked at the stats for everyone else around the country, but does have one touchdown on each of them, and he's leading the nation in punt return average right now. I think it's – 21 or something 16 or 21 no, i don't know what something like that yeah so i mean that's it's huge he's had multiple huge ones and in big time games so national re, nationally relevant games which means media members are watching elsewhere so when they go to fill out that ballot you're gonna leave it shotgun usc will stun one of the big two left on their schedule the big two in this case being washington or oregon and oregon i, I want to easily take this because I know the talent is on USC, and if they play well against Cal, if they play better at least, then I will easily take this. Like I just feel like, yeah, they'll they'll definitely win one of those, if not both, if they start playing better. Like if that pressure is relieved, <gasps> the gorilla is off their chest, you know, then, then yeah, I, I think they definitely can. I've got a final one. This has been sort of a talking point that came out of this loss and on national media and people have been talking about it but take it or leave it, it. caleb leave williams it. i know where you're going out the rest of the season with the college football playoff unattainable leave it yeah you don't come to college just for one thing you know and again there's also the nil portion of it are in his contracts baked in he has to play if he's healthy i don't know about all that stuff but um you want to show nfl scouts that yeah, I got knocked down, but I can get back up. Yeah, I lost in Notre Dame, and I didn't play well, and I didn't didn't play great against Utah. But guess what? Watch what I do the last few games. Tracken, did you just quote Chumbawamba? <laughs> I got knocked down. I got up again. Did you just quote Chumbawamba? <laughs> if I did, this? it was not intentional. Did you just quote? Okay, I'm done. That's all I got. <laughs> We got to end on the Chumbawamba reference. Uh, shotgun, we're going to overtime. I'm very excited about this. I re- I, I know a lot about Shotgun, but I, I didn't realize he was such a big uh, fruit eater. He's very into fruit. So <laughs> I have here. Where did, a you, where did you just learn this? Was this I, Chicago? I where, yeah, this was Chicago when you're talking about, oh, melon ballers are overrated. Overrated. This is it's, it's a useless, <laughs> it's a useless device in the kitchen. This is true. You know, we're, we're talking about, yes, yeah, see, we were talking about 
um, fruit devices and things used to cut up kitchen fruit. gadgets. I have a lot of kitchen, kitchen gadgets. gadgets that are related to fruit. Yes. But, but so I just wanted to take some time to get your thoughts on Sutton fruit. So I found a ranking from first we feast, which is the top 27 fruits ever. And so I'm just going to give you the bottom five and the top five. I don't have time to do 27. I'm just going to give you these 10 bottom five, top five, and you're going to react to these and maybe you can agree with the ranking or not. But are you ready to play? All right, go for it. You want to start with the top or the bottom? I guess we got to start with the bottom. Is durian in this, the list? Is that considered a fruit? It's not nowhere in this list. Durian I, I is believe it was in the mid. Awful. Okay, that we know that's your bottom one. But the bottom <laughs> one here, number 27, cranberries. Um, yeah, I think cranberries are pretty awful. Cranberry juice really should never be involved unless there's vodka. Let's be How dare honest. you? I, I love I love drinking cranberry juice. Everyone thinks it, I'm you, weird. Just cranberry juice, or is it cranberry, cranberry cocktail, or is it apple cranberry, or cran apple is the preferred term? Shotgun. You you we'll know be, why be there's there's so the few of just cranberry cranberry juices? There's why there has to be a cocktail or there has to be another fruit in it because cranberries suck. Okay, well, I love cranberry juice. That's why I never have UTIs. Number 26, <laughs> coming in, papaya. 26 papaya? Whoa, that's way too low. <laughs> oh, no. Big papaya guy? You're saying it's top 10 for you? I don't know where it ranks, but it's definitely not. It's in the bottom five. I'm going to be honest. I've never had a papaya in my life. What? Describe it to me. I'm going to close my eyes. Describe it to me. I'm not a, a describer. I, I use a ton of fruits, throw them in, in smoothies. You're a goddamn stuff. writer, Shotgun. You're a goddamn writer. Uh, number 25, watermelon. Oh, that is an awful ranking. That's It's, <laughs> it's top five very, for sure. I'm very anti-watermelon. I just don't like watermelon. So what? I'm, I'm, I'm on board with this. this I don't dislike blasphemy. it for you. I just don't like, I this just is don't blasphemy. like watermelon. It is such a great post-workout fruit, too. Interesting. I will. We see the players have big slices of watermelon after practice. I, I don't. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it was a good uh, post workout. Uh, yeah, because it's mostly water. It has some you know nutrients in there. It's it's terrific. You can spit seeds at your friends. Oh, I just eat the seeds too. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, number twenty four coming in, honeydew. Yeah, that's definitely down there. Okay. Most yeah, melon out, outside that. of watermelon, most melons are not very good. The thing no one eats at the the little free buffet at a Marriott is the yeah. I, I don't it's ever always, get fruit cups because they put melon in there. I don't want I don't want your honeydew. I don't want your cantaloupe. Honeydew. I want the pineapple and I want the grapes. Uh, number twenty three, the last of this bottom five, uh, grapefruit. Yeah, I'm not a grapefruit fan. No. Okay. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Grapefruit and cottage cheese. Those people are psychos. Psychos, mm. I tell you. Mm-mm. Uh. I know you're a big fan of this fruit, so I just want to tell you where it was on the ranking. Number 20, Kiwi. Yeah, big Kiwi fan. I wish they were the size of watermelons. I think I told you that before. If Kiwis were the size of watermelons, it'd be so much better because they're so delicious, but there's so much work for a little tiny thing. That's why you got to have a kitchen gadget for it. There is some mad scientist slash farmer out there trying to pollinate (laughs) the, the first Kiwi watermelon. There is someone's out there working on a shotgun. So I hope in your lifetime uh, it will come to fruition and I'll get you a bunch of those for your, your birthday. Uh, let's go with the top five. Number five, a classic apples. Yes. Uh, I prefer honey crisps are my favorites. And what I, is the worst apple? Worst apple? Well, probably gold delicious or something. 
regular reds okay. Eh. okay shotgun does take a lot of apples from like media meals and i'm surprised he because like i've never seen anyone take the apples from media meals but shotgun stocks up on those bad boys. i usually keep one in my i try to keep one in my bag all the time it's a great snack to okay. have flying and whatnot i don't want to pay i, I literally put, spent nine dollars on like six pieces of something in a bag as a snack last night on my flight back. He doesn't even know what it was. Six pieces of something. It's in like a bag. some bark or something. I don't know. Blueberry macadamia bombs bark or something. I don't know. Uh, number four, clementines. No, no. no. Too too much work. Uh, for little for little reward. Yeah, because I, I eat a whole orange. I eat the peel and everything. So oh it, it because the ratio is perfect for an orange. Like a navel orange, the ratio is perfect. It because otherwise oranges are too sweet for me if I eat them without the peel. So I need the tartness of the peel to balance it out. And in a clementine, just there's too much peel. No, 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 back up. You eat the rind of an orange. Yeah, I just bite into it like an apple. You eat it like an it's too juicy. What do you your shirts must be ruined. No. Just see, like, I, and an apple, I eat the entire thing, too. I eat the full core. You just start from the bottom, work your way up to the, the There stem. are people listening that are appalled <laughs> right now. They are straight I, appalled. I don't right eat the so peel of a banana, okay? I pretty oh, much eat oh, the... Okay so, okay, so that makes you not a psycho, because you don't eat the peel of a banana. Otherwise, I eat the entire fruit, unless there's, you know, it's a, um, a plum or something, or pear, or peach that has a pit, but... Otherwise, you just eat the whole thing. The way, uh, the way nature was intended. I'm, I'm moving on here. Number three, cherries. Um, uh, they're not in my top five. There's too much work. Okay, fair they're, enough. Fair they're enough. absolutely delicious, but also if you, it, it looks like a murder scene. You know, when when you're trying to depit them. Supposedly, I you're supposed cry- to be able because there's not there's a I guess there's a cherry pinch punch out type of thing a pit puncher um but i have not i do not have that kitchen gadget if anybody wants to throw that on my uh my christmas list for the healing boys um but there's a trick a, a cherry pitter please. there's supposed to be a trick where you can use like a glass coke bottle put the cherry on top of it and use a straw or a chopstick to push it through push the pit through i tried it it's supposed to be a kitchen hack you know home at home hack no it looked like a murder scene on the counter there's there just you go. red yeah. everywhere and then your roommate walked in and screamed. You're like, it's just cherries. Calm down. <laughs> uh, number two, bananas. Amazing. Amazing. This should be a part of everyone's daily intake. Are, are you a guy who eats? I know you don't eat the peel, like you said, but are you a, a brown banana guy? Yeah. Like I'll eat the brown I, spots. I, I Yeah. I don't have a problem with the spots. Uh, I don't like it when they get too ripe uh, just because they're too sweet then. So then they have to go in the smoothie. Or you can make banana, banana bread. Banana bread. Oh, I, I crush banana bread with some ripe bananas. And I, throw, number I, throw one... a, I throw a ton of stuff, like anything. Like I threw multiple bananas when I came back from my trip into the freezer. Then they just go in the smoothie. That's another great thing about fruit is it gets ripe. Just throw it in the freezer. Cut it up. Throw it in the freezer. is good for a smoothie. And our number one spot, Shotgun, do you have a guess as to what this fruit is going to be? Uh, probably strawberry. It's gonna be strawberry or blueberry. It is none of those shotgun. Oh. It's actually pineapple. Oh, of course, my bad, my bad. I already mentioned pineapple, so I forgot about it. <laughs> yes, pineapple is definitely up there. No, top two, top three for sure. Top two, top two, not two. Pineapple, it, it's up there. 
Bananas is such a utilitarian that it's up there. Um, and then I would probably have kiwi because I love them. Mangoes are amazing too. And then I'm mm-hmm. all about all berries outside of cranberries. Even raspberries? Raspberries, boysenberries, uh, gooseberries. Gooseberries, yeah, gooseberries. I mean, they're nothing okay. special, but they're fine. Again, all right, shotgun. Throw, freeze them, throw them in a smoothie. Come on, guys. Be healthy. That was the most unhinged overtime we've ever done. <laughs> I feel like we all should know less about everyone. Sorry. I, mean, I like fruit. Tired. I get excited about fruit, Chris. Shotgun, Shotgun needs to go speak to the USC team and just eat a orange rind and all in front of them while giving a speech. You're like, this is real toughness. This is real toughness. <laughs> Goddamn orange. Rind and all. You soft motherfuckers. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> That is uh, going to wrap up this episode. I'm not the host here, but I am throwing it to score <laughs> predictions before we wrap this up. Shotgun score predictions. Who's US even playing? Cal? Who who's on that team? I don't even know. Cal, you know they got 17 yeah. quarterbacks that are transferred in from different schools. I, I, the spread's only 11. I think I'll finally pick USC to cover the spread and be right. It feels like that hasn't happened in uh, a, a decade, maybe at least a couple months. Um, the, is USC going to stop anybody? They didn't stop Cal much last year. So give me uh, 41-28. 41-28. I'm going to go 35-21. That's what I'm feeling. That's, That's what's going to happen to me. Yeah, we'll see, though. We'll see if this team comes out any different. That's going to be the big question. More so than the actual – I think they'll win – it could be an ugly win just because they have more talent than Cal, similar to some of the, the Arizona States, Arizona. But can you play well for once? If you don't play well, then you know the the fans are going to give up on the rest of the season because they will have no faith that you're going to beat Washington or Oregon, and probably not UCLA either because they have a good, de- a really good defense. So, uh, can you play well and get the fan base excited about the rest of the season? That's what I would like to see. Plus, I'm coming out for Washington and going to Eugene. So I don't want to just be making these random trips if there's no one excited about the team and the team's not going to play well. Can you hear this, Shotgun? I don't hear anything. All right. I don't I'm 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 not unplugged, so I want to end this. I want to end the podcast on this. So just take us away. All right. Okay. My bad. That's going to wrap it up for the helium boys podcast. Make sure you guys are like subscribe, share, leave a review, all those things. Once again, this is part of the Parastyle podcast family. we got you guys covered with all different types of content and part of uscfootball.com where you can get all of your USC Trojans news notes, the latest, the greatest basketball season's about to start we're two weeks away chris it's crazy i stopped by basketball practice i stopped by usc fall baseball scrimmage on friday as well a lot of excitement around campus just not so much right now with the football team but we'll see if they can change things this week when they go up to cal that's going to wrap it up for me and my co-host chris trevino i've been shotgun sprattling this is the helium boys podcast don't know if they're gonna be able to hear this but i'm playing chumbawamba (laughs) <laughs> they are not going to be able to hear it because i'm going to cut why? It's it regardless. Going directly into the mic it's going to the mic why can't you hear it this doesn't make any sense why can't i, I hear this you hear this show over chris show over 
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent the personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.